It's another episode of Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. Yay. Uh, yay. Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> um, what did you see? Um, I, well, okay, so I haven't been to the movies in a bit. We were talking a little bit about there's like kind of a dry storm, dry spell. Dry spell. You know, yeah. Uh, happening. So I haven't, I, I do want to see VFW's out. I haven't seen it. I do want to see it. It's just like, you know, it's like California winter, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I did finally see Little Women, uh, the new Greta Gerwig, and um, I don't know what all the hype is about. I, I don't, it's good, it's fine, it's just like not anything spectacular. Like, I didn't think it even deserved <laughs> like a sure. nomination. I'm not really sure. Like, the cast is great. It's totally good. They're likable. I just, like, it's just, like, whatever. Oh, it's tough because I think that part of the, part of it is because, you know, there is a disproportionate amount of, you know, let's put it this way. There's a lot more male directors out there who have a lot easier access to making films than a woman like Greta Gerwig. So I think yeah. that's part of the big deal is that, like, it's like, fuck, like, guy goes into a studio, he's like, here's my idea, and they're like, uh, yeah, here's tons of money, make your movie, whereas, like, a woman has to, like, fight and struggle. So I think part of it's that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good movie. I haven't seen it. I'm just saying that, like, I think part of the big deal was, especially with the Oscars, it was like... The Oscar, a uh, what? Uh, yeah. Listen, there's obviously problems with the with the Oscars, especially since like no people of color. There were, I mean, Parasite and like yeah. there were some, but like they they ho- they overlooked like a huge portion of it. Sure. It was crazy, and so that's another reason. It's like, oh, okay, like yeah, she's okay. Lady Bird was good. Lady Bird, well, I actually really enjoyed it, but yeah, I I enjoyed Little Women, but I don't think it's anything like super special. And just because she's a okay white woman director, she deserves to get praise. I actually thought Booksmart was pretty good. I was wondering why that didn't get nominated for... Over Over a lot of things. Yeah, I actually... I was really impressed with Booksmart, but... Hey, you know? Yeah, there's so many other, like, other movies. And and I know Joaquin Phoenix, uh, we talked about this a little bit, had made, like, a big speech about it, you know? Um, I think at the BAFTAs, just, like, being like, hey, what, right? Right. The BAFTAs, or... Must have been. Because at the Oscars, he gave a speech about it. Yeah, but you didn't see that speech where he was like... This needs to change. Like, we need to change. Like, if we're responsible for this, then, like, we need to change. Which, it, it was very important. Like, he gives a lot of speeches on being vegan, but he also pointed out, like, a huge thing. He's like, yeah, I I worked hard for this, but, like, also we negated, like, so many other contenders just by being us and in control of this. And we hadn't let other things in. Like, we need to change what to include everybody. So... Uh, yeah, you know, Greta Gerwig can suck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had no... Interest. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It's just, it's just not... Right. It's like... Yeah, I got you. It was, it was what, it was an average film. It was a good film. Um, again, I haven't seen it, so I'm just, I'm trying to help you, uh, articulate what, how you felt about I, it. Besides being just rude about it, it's mediocre. Yeah. Okay, so like... Fuck it, yeah. yeah. It's, it is. It's just like, yeah, that's... Go right. read the fucking book instead, you know? Fuck yeah. Um, I did uh, watch this movie, movie from movie. Um, it's The Children of the Dead. This 
weird silent Austrian film. Ooh. It's really cool. I don't, it's like very dry. Like it's very dry and funny. Um, but it's about like this bus, um, or this like small tour group that's get, gets in a bus accident and they die, but it's like got a weird Nazi warehouse thing. And then like, I'm not sure if they're in purgatory or, uh, like, if they're dead or, like, what. It, it's very strange, and it is silent, and it's very funny still. And there's a lot of jokes about Styrians and Syrians. Wow. It's super silly and, like, kind of ridiculous, but, like, it's totally really enjoyable and, like, very cool. And it's shot on um 8mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's re- it's really cool. Is it what year? It's this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, uh, no, 2020. It was 2019. Yeah. Uh, and so Mubi is hosting it, and it's it's really cool. I recommend um, Mubi and watching that movie. Um, and then, again, just w- powering through TV like a monster. Let me have it. Um, so I watched all of High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a remake of the book and the movie um, John Cusack. What was it, like 2000? 2000. 2000? Yeah. Uh, damn, that was a long time ago. Um, so reimagining, and Zoe Kravitz basically plays the John Cusack character, which I think she's better, but I've also completed the entire series. Yeah. It is a lot more fleshed out. They go into the characters. I think they put in, in, important characters and a lot more women into this. Like, I, I know I'm talking a lot of shit on m- mediocre whiteness because I was ranting about John Cusack earlier because he's just like this okay, average-looking dude, you know, that's, like, and everyone's worshipping him, and it's just, like, why? Zoe Kravitz, who's, like, this cool-ass, you know, like, can't own a record store and be snobby about music, um, but it is, I thought it was really cool. The soundtrack is cool as shit. There's a lot of good tracks on it. There's a lot of, like, cool things that I didn't know about. It's still got, like, that funny New York feel. It is a remake of the movie, except in a series form. I want to make that clear. The same things happen. It's just longer, and it's more fleshed out with all the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked it. I, I love the movie, so I watched the first episode, and I was like, and I love Zoe Kravitz. I think she's fucking awesome. She really like, is, yeah. Um, she's but, so charming. Yeah, and I think that was the part where I, I think... See, I, I disagree with you about the John Cusack thing in the sense that, like, I I will say that 2000, past High Fidelity, I'm like, I've, I've constantly, like, been like, what the fuck is John Cusack doing? But, you know, John Cusack, 80s, 90s, 2000s, I mean, like, I love Better Off Dead. I love... I do love Say Anything, and I love... Gross Point Plank, I think, is one of the greatest yeah. movies. And then... High Fidelity, I mean, those for me are, like, really, I think my problem was that Zoe... I like 1408. <laughs> I actually like that, too, but um, it, that was a rare, kind of, like, one of those rare, like, oh, yeah, it's a John Cusack movie, it's really good, but it's also not yeah. a John Cusack movie, but, like, yeah. I um, I feel like my problem with High Fidelity, it was, I only watched one episode, and I, I enjoyed it, and, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm also eager to see it more, because, again, like, uh, you know, one of our guests wrote, wrote episodes on it and got a lot of rave reviews for his... Um, his work on Oh, yeah, which episode did he write? Solomon, I, right? Yeah, I have no idea which one he wrote. Either. I I really like them all. They're, it's um it's very clever. Uh, I know you you want to not like, because in the movie, it takes a lot shorter time for us to know that John Cusack is the asshole in the story. Yes. But, I mean, this is a series, and even though the episodes are short, it just takes longer to get to the point where you're, it's like, right. she sucks, you know? Yeah, and, and I just, I, I think that my thing is that, like, from what I saw in the first episode, it was like, Man, she's got way more together than John Cusack's Rob Gordon. I that's I'm, I'm not giving up on the show. I just well, yeah, you should get past the first episode yeah. because then you find out. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. No, exactly. And you like, find out other stuff. I, I yeah. also, I, I'm a big fan of the fact that Zoe Kravitz is in the show and her mom was in the movie. Yeah. The only thing that drove me nuts watching the show is they make all these references that, like, like, um, you know, like, they kind of redo the Kevin Bannister story, except for this time he's the guy that she hooks up with as opposed to the, the guy that steals the girl when, he, when he's a kid. But, they, you know, they make a, like, in, in, the, in the movie he makes a reference to, like, you know, we made out for, like, X amount of times, before, like, right in between the Rockford Files and this, and then in the show she makes a reference. I can't remember which show it was, and I was yeah. like, that show's not that fucking old. Either that show's not that fucking old, or I am older than I think, and I got really like, oh my god, I'm getting so much older. Yeah, when, we're like, old. When these references, like, what they're referencing is older is like, man, I feel like that was just yesterday. But, uh, <laughs> oh, Xena, she references Xena, I was like... That's, oh yeah, Zena like t- Zena yeah. was '90s though. I know, but it's so weird to me to think that that's, that's like, like 30 years ago. Yeah, that, that there was some. Yeah, 1990. It, yeah, it was 30 years. It's ago. weird. We're, it's, it's fucked up. It freaks me out. But I, I'm I'm interested in watching more of the show. I, I did enjoy. I did laugh, and I did have a good time watching it. It's just that movie's also got a special place in my heart. So yeah, the movie is super cool. Like it is. It's it's great. It's like the snobs owed to themselves. You know. No, it's great. It is, and and honestly. I am so much of, like, this snob that the music is so good in it, too, that I'm just like, oh, everything about it is good. Sure. Um, And then continuing in my New York, um, Ode to New York, so we've been doing New York, um, like, horror movies. So, but I, I I think a while ago, I talked about King of New York. Uh, So this time I watched Bad Lieutenant. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is, so I guess there's a few versions floating out there. There's a rated R version. Originally, (sighs) it was... Yeah, it, originally I guess it was NC-17, oh, yeah. and so there's um, a rated R version, and then the ANC-17 version is obviously, I think you can purchase it for DVD, and I found it yeah. um, online. And so I, it's so annoying that that was rated NC-17, because uh-huh. it shows a dick. Like, that's pretty much like, I mean, and there's an extended rape scene, but when you think about other movies that sure. or shows that just, like, have tons of rape in them you're like what's a dick compared to like yeah you know what else is they can show on tv but um it is great it's abel ferrera um yeah. just like really great gritty new york movies so uh king of new york was um also abel ferrera yeah yeah it was uh it was christopher walk uh christopher walken, walken larry and, fishburne and lawrence fishburne yeah. larry fishburne that's what it was yeah. larry fishburne and then um this was uh, Harvey Cartel, and so he just plays like obviously he's just got that like yeah that fucking th- ugh, that grossness that grit, and he like portrays it in his character so well, and you know he he's doing drugs and he's uh, he's just like spread out like enjoying the yeah. the the room yeah. with no clothes on. It's <laughs> it's such a good scene, um, and then uh, also. Uh, Hunters, I watched. So that just dropped on Amazon. There's nothing new in New York, but yeah. No, it's shot in New York. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's Oh, okay. So it's about 1970 uh, New York Nazi hunters. So so this takes place in the 70s, you know, um, some odd years. So it's basically about a group put together of these Nazi hunters. So basically the some Holocaust survivors had obviously moved to America. And it starts out where, like, they spot one of... The, the Nazi officers in one of their concentration camps. And so they're so, 
you know, the story is they, they brought it to the United States or to the officers or whatever and basically just went nowhere and no one cared. So they had their form the own, their own, like, vigilante group in order to, like, bring down Nazis. But instead of bringing them down, they're assassinating them, which I say, hell yeah. Yeah, Nazis get are them. <laughs> Yeah, they don't deserve to live. So uh, it is great. It's very stylish. Like some of the scenes, it looks so good. And I'm I'm like in a big '70s revival area of yeah. my life. So I'm I loved it. Um, the characters are cool. And I will say that. Um, and I've watched all of it now. So the women in it are smart and they're fierce. So there's a thing uh, that I want to call your attention to. And there's a scene where you know a, a woman FBI agent is like walking around and like. Uh, a, a guy is, like, stalking her, and she doesn't know that he's there, but she knows that he's there. You know, she's yeah. very uneasy. She's, like, looking behind her. She feels followed, and I, I'm like, that is so important to put in there. Like, because, you know, p- women are, pre- uh, like, shown so nonchalant. Like, we don't know that, like, there's a menacing thing out there, and we're all like, la-ti-da, like, everything's fine. And it's like, no, right. we know that shit. We feel that shit. We've been telling you that shit. Um, it is... So cool. I, I I mean, there is nothing cooler than 1970s New York for me. Mm-hmm. 80s is cool, but, like, for me, it's the 70s. And so sure. it incorporates Nazi killing. It incorporates cool cars, uh, cool women, cool dudes, like, uh, and, and Nazi hunting. So uh, it's totally enjoyable. The ending, I'm like, eh, but it's it's enough for me to want to watch a second season. Okay. All right. I, I, I have yet to... To hunker down and watch it. It's, it is on my list. Um, I didn't watch... I feel like... You know, it's weird. Is I feel like I watch a lot of stuff, but I don't feel like I've watched anything new, except last night I was kind of just sitting around and I watched The Swimmer with Burt Lancaster. It was a 1968 film, um, which is this really cool like suburban drama that kind of feels like a weird dream. Where yeah. Where this dude is like... He's... Um, he shows up at his friend's house, or, like, these like these neighbors slash friends that he's had. He hasn't seen them in a while, and they're all, like, happy to see him. He just wants to go swimming in their pool. So he just goes swimming, and, and uh, you know, it's Burt Lancaster, and, like, look, as a straight guy, even I'm, like, that guy was fucking, he was a handsome <laughs> dude, you know? And, um, and he's, uh, he notices that, like, all of, like, the neighbor, like, all of the, you know, these different neighbors that all have swimming pools of their own, and he imagines them as, like, a river that, that he can travel down to get to where his his own home is. So he's just basically going from neighbor to neighbor's house and, like, <laughs> jumping in their pools and swimming a lap and then getting out and, like, okay, on to the next one. And as he keeps going, like, the story gets progressively darker and, like, you find out that there's that this guy who's got it so together and who seems like such a, a put-together person is clearly not. And, mm-hmm. like, there's some really, it's, it's you know, it's... I don't want to paint it off to be, like, a thriller or a horror film because it's neither of those things at all. It's just this really dark drama that just keeps, like, each... It's almost like vignettes, and each one just gets progressively darker, and you're like, oh, my God, you know? And uh, it's really great. you got to find it. I know Grindhouse releasing did a great Blu-ray DVD set of it uh, with a documentary on there that's longer than the movie itself, which I haven't watched, but uh, it's definitely a movie worth, worth checking out. Um... I, I can't, you know, honestly, I really, as far as movies go, I, I know I've I've sat down and watched stuff, but it's nothing new. Like, I, you know, I, I think I watched Creep Show 2 on Shudder. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I watched The Ranger on Shudder, which I've been really looking forward to because it was supposed to be this, like, homage to, like, 80s punk and 80s horror films, and it was neither to me. Oh, really? It was like, I didn't feel, 
I just did not care for it one bit. I was I found myself very bored. Um, so you can check that out on Shutter. Um, <laughs> check out this boring show. Hey, look, was it a people, show or a movie? It was a movie, and some people loved it, and it just didn't. It just didn't grab me, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with you on the 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 '70s and '80s New York. I still feel like it's such a, you know, great territory to kind of explore, you know. Um, but yeah, I uh, I haven't watched anything new. God damn it. I know. It's it's been a really rough. The, I am excited for a few things. Uh th- by the time, you know, the day after this episode comes out, they will be showing um they'll be revealing the Candyman trailer. Oh yeah. Which I'm really excited about. I'm I'm nervous. Be I, I hope I hope. That's all. I just realized that I'm not as nervous about it because like the the original is so good yeah. that really like nothing can really fuck with it. Like even if this movie's great, I'm still going to probably love the original more, you know? And even if this movie's really bad, I'm like, well, I got the fucking original, you know? Like, yeah. It's, I just listened to a great... Uh, you, it you should know. be interesting. Um, yeah. I think for that director, too, it's, like, one of her first, like, yeah. big films. And I think we talked about this, but, like, Tony Todd is supposed to be at least in, yeah. involved, you know? And I just listened to a great... He's in the cast. Yeah. I listened to a great uh, episode of... a. Uh, Mick Garris's post-mortem where he interviewed Tony Todd, and just, he's got a fascinating life where I was like, God damn, like, we are so lucky to have so many, as, as horror fans, we're so lucky to have, like, these great actors and directors, like, yeah. with such interesting stories, like, you know, still around, like, and Tony Todd's one of them, and I was, it was funny, because during the interview, they talked about, like, you know, Candyman, obviously, they talked about his appearance in Night of the Living Dead, um, the one movie they didn't talk about, where I was like, I want to hear him talk about The Crow, because, like, oh, yeah. he's in it, you know? And it always drove me nuts that, like, he went from being in Candyman, like, and being the lead in this, like, you know, huge deal, you know, especially, you know, um, with black cinema, you know, like, uh-huh. he, you know, and then he goes, like, I think, like, two years later, he's playing, like, a really small supporting role in The Rock as a bad guy. And yeah. Like, like, that's fucking Candyman. Like, he should be your bad guy. He should be your lead, you know? Uh, um, you know who's in it, too, is, um, I can't remember his full name, but it's Yaya from, uh, Watchmen. He played uh, Dr. Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Cool. He is great. He's he's showing up a lot of places. He's also very handsome, so it's, like, really hard to ignore him because sure. he looks like he does. Uh, so, yeah, he was in a Black Mirror episode, the new one that came out. He was in that one good episode, the video game fucking one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he was uh, Dr. Manhattan in, in Watchmen, and now he's in this movie, and it's it's going to be really cool to see him do all these, like, sci-fi and, like, creepy, like, yeah. uh, heart type of things. I'm excited because I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I mean, you just, you said creepy. You just remind me. I did rewatch the original Creep Show. I made my wife watch it with me because Ed Harris does a dance in that movie that is, like, <laughs> is, and I was like, look, we're going to watch it. It's in the first ten minutes of the movie pretty much, and you don't have to watch it afterwards, but I'm going to keep watching it. And she thought, you know, she was, like, she ended up watching the whole thing with me. Um, but New York, um, going to New York, like, um, I kind of want to preface this with, like, uh, one of my favorite actors, or, yeah, one of my favorite actors was Buster Keaton. Yeah. And uh, I remember reading Buster Keaton's autobiography, and Buster Keaton did these amazing things in films uh, that weren't weren't ever being done at the time, you know? And, like, uh, I think one of the most notable things was, like, in this short film he did, uh, Sherlock Jr., he plays this projectionist who has, like, these daydreams. And at one point in the movie, he falls asleep, and his, he kind of steps out of himself like a dream version, and he walks down the aisle of the movie theater, and he walks up to the screen, and he jumps into the screen, and then 
the screen keeps keeps changing to all these different like he's suddenly on a cliff and then he's like he's like he's trying not to fall off it and it's like suddenly it's raining and he's like getting covered in rain and and what was such I mean, as a movie fan it's such a amazing thing but what drove me nuts reading his autobiography there's he was always like oh yeah I just did that you know like uh like to him it was just like hammering nails into the you know it's like and I'm like are you fucking kidding me like, there's people who can't do that now who can't think of the way you thought then you know then they can't do it now and it drives me crazy that Buster Keaton was so so nonchalant about it not like in an arrogant way but in like a hey what's the big deal like I just yeah yeah just, this comes naturally to me yeah it was a trick that I learned when I was doing like vaudeville with my parents and it's like fuck off you know yeah. like um, that's how I feel about Frank Henenlotter. Yeah, this who, is your dude. Yeah, uh, between, you know, it's like, he's up there with me with David Lynch, John Carpenter, and John Waters. Like, he, he is one of my all-time favorites, and, um, and yet whenever you hear him do interviews about movies that he did, he's kind of the same way, where he's like, yeah, I just thought, I don't know, I was like, sitting in a room, and I was like, talking to a producer, and I was just like, uh, alright, what about Frankenhooker? I just came up with the name, and it's like, that's fucking and the freaking hooker Man, is one of my favorites. I kind of like that's like how I think people should be because yes. there's nothing more like pretentious and gross to me than like someone who knows their worth, <laughs> you know, right. which is terrible to say. But when someone's just like, "Yes, I know, I'm a genius," you're like, "Uh, you could be replaced at any moment by someone who's more geniusy than you." Right, and and by the by the sheer when you say that, you automatically are disproving yeah. your own genius. Yeah, but exactly. But uh, Frank Henenlotter, yeah, yeah, he, he is. He's very humble, and he's 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 an awesome director. And I have like you know, I it's it's I was saying to you before we we sat down and watched a movie we watched where on any given day. I could look, I could hold a basket case and be like, this is my favorite of his movies. And then the next day I'll be like, oh, but it's actually brain damage. And on the third day I might say it's Frankenhooker. Like, he's got, like, those three movies. He's got other movies, but those three I'm like, at any given time I could just flip a switch and be in love with this movie more than this one. Yeah. And that's what I love about him is that um, I, those, you know, I love Basket Case 2. And, and Basket Case 3 is fine. It's it's definitely his lesser work. And Bad Biology, if you haven't seen Bad Biology. I haven't. I've only seen Basket Case. Yeah. Before. Bad Biology was his first movie in I think 18, 19, maybe 20 years and it is it's a, it's a shame because he's he doesn't have the same palette of the old 80s New York that he could work with. Yeah. But the movie's fucking insane and it's great. It just there's something there's a little something that's not this quite the same because I think it's just the time period but Frank Henenlotter was like he was a he loved 42nd Street. He would go to the Grindhouse cinemas mm-hmm. all the time. Um, huge fan when he made Basket Case his only goal was to um, he was like, hey, look, as long as it gets, sh- you know, I just want to make a movie that's going to get shown on 42nd Street, that's it. And, of course, it became this, like, huge phenomenon, like, it, not huge, but, it, you know, it, it played a lot. Um, it got a lot of big fans, you know, and he's had an enduring career, or he had an enduring career because of this movie. Um, and Bass Case was dedicated to Herschel Gordon-Lewis, because he was such a huge fan of Herschel Gordon-Lewis, to the point where he, later on, directed, this is a fascinating documentary, by the way, he directed a documentary on Herschel Gordon Lewis, which uh, it was on the Criterion Channel, which I made oh. me, yeah, it made me smile so much knowing that Criterion was probably like, you know, didn't know how to fuck it. They're like, uh, yeah, I guess we're just gonna put this Herschel Gordon Lewis documentary on the, our Criterion Channel because, you know, Criterion as awesome as it is can be kind of snobby, and I just love the fact that they kind of had to like acknowledge that Herschel Gordon Lewis, who did Blood Feast and Two Thousand Maniacs, is up there with like. Sydney Lumet. And yeah. Like, it's just, it made me so, so happy. But uh, Frank Henenlotter, his second film was Brain Damage, which we just watched 
um, and I'll give you a quick rundown. Uh, this guy, he ordinary guy um, who likes Slayer and Bauhaus and the Cramps and other bands that are really cool. Crumb suckers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> super cool. I was like, damn, those posters are are sick. He uh, wakes up and he has this parasite attached to him, who's voiced by Zachary, who was one of the first. He was the first male horror movie host, as far as I know. And, you know, if you ever find old footage of him, he's fucking hilarious and great. But he does the voice of this weird parasite named Almer, who um, <laughs> who uh, feeds him this, like, this drug, injects this drug into him that, like, it's like this euphoric drug that makes him see, like, it's, it's very similar to LSD, makes him see colors, makes him hear sounds differently, and, and also feels really good. The only drawback is that Almer needs to eat human brains to... <laughs> to survive and so there's this becomes this like um parasitic relationship between brian and this parasite that like they both need each other but one is killing the other one they're both one's killing other people and brian's becoming uh, hopelessly addicted to almer's weird blue juice i don't know what else, what you want to call it blue um, juice mind you almer just to kind of give you as a visual if you haven't seen this movie it looks, looks like, like a poop dick it there you go. Just nailed it. He looks like a, it's like a shit dick. It's it's it is it, it that is that it's is so ridiculous. Um. So you had never seen this movie before. No, and you made a comment before we watched it, which I totally agree with, because you were like, "This is art." Yes. And it it is. It like has like tinges of like Argento in it, but it's like really fucking funny and silly and like. Very clever, though. Mm -hmm. Um, The dream sequences are really cool. There's, like, some great shots, you know, when the light is on on the main character. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's, like, half of his face is dark and, like, the other is light. I'm like, oh, that's good. This is good. Yeah. Um, It's it's just kind of, it is. It's perfect. It's, like, it's, it's a great mix between, like, a black comedy and like a scary right and it's got this really serious and kind of like sad like yeah like story. drug epidemic undertone yeah and like you know i guess frank henenlotter was you know he was this was him writing about his own cocaine addiction in the uh-huh. 80s which everybody was addicted to cocaine but to him this was very easy to write because once he pitched the idea it was something like oh i got this yeah. i know this feeling and there's some really like poignant moments of like you know there's a great withdrawal scene i mean like I will put brain damage up there with like some of the, one of the, some of the best horror comedies, but also some of the best like drug films, you know? Yeah. Like the man with the golden arm and like, train spotting, and I'll be like, yeah, oh. I was thinking a lot of train spotting, especially like the come down dreams sequence, yeah. um, which he points out, and also I want to say that like it's it holds up in the in the way of hideousness, like it's it's really gross because yes. there's like a really gross puke scene, and then like he's covered in it the whole oh, rest God. of the scene, and you're like, ah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's still gritty and it's still gross, yeah, but like not just the horror parts. Right. I mean, this is that was pretty horrific, but and there's funny because there's one, um, so there's there's two. With Basket Case, there's a scene in the movie where I and I don't want to give anything away, but the ending, the end of the movie, um, the 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 kind of the love interest of Basket Case kind of meets a very strange end from Belial, and it's pretty gross. Um, and I don't, again, I don't want to give anything away, but apparently some crew members walked out. They were like, I thought they walked out on the fellatio And scene. they did, and the same thing happened in Brain Damage, where they were like, fuck this, fuck that, and they walked out, and there's a scene where... where it's so... Where it's, so it's, it's funny, but it's like, oh my... Like, and you're yeah. watching, you're like, I can't fucking believe somebody's doing this right now on film. 
um, where basically Almer um, just... It's like your innermost thoughts, but then, like, you see it, and you're like, you feel weirdly fine, because you're like, that's what I was kind of thinking would happen, but it's happening, and you're not really sure. (laughs) And apparently there were some crew members that were having none of it. They were, like, so repulsed by the scene where Almer is, um, you know, this woman's about to go down on Brian, and... Almer, she opens up his zipper, and then Almer comes out, but the way it's shot intentionally is that it looks like she's, and of course, Almer's going into her mouth, and of course, it looks like, you know, she's giving this guy head, but like, instead of his dick, it's this weird parasitic monster that's sucking her brain out. Yeah, through her mouth. Oh, so disgusting. It's such a good scene. And then then when he pulls her away, Ah! pulls her head away, and there's like this little dribble of brain, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, it is... It's so ridiculous, but so clever and so funny. And um, but again, there's this really, there's a really, you know, there's a really great story about like how you know without feeling preachy, but it's a really great story about how like you know drug addiction can. Hey, you know what? Like, drug addiction sucks. You yeah, know? And, it's like, pretty fucking gross. And it's gross. And like and like encompassing, all encompassing. Yeah. You know, it like steals you. He doesn't. He ends up alienating his brother, who's also his roommate. Which I lived with my brother for a little while, and I love my brother, but I, you know, you don't want to live with your brother as a roommate. Come on, what's going I on with this not, guy? Yeah. And his <laughs> girlfriend, who is like constantly wondering what the fuck is happening to him because he just keeps like missing dates or like you know acting weird um taking weird baths with this weird monster that nobody else can see which is my favorite scene of the whole movie is like <laughs> the sheer joy he has when the when Almer pops up out of the water <laughs> like cracks me up to no end um but uh yeah this movie is just it's what i like about frank henenlotter is that he he makes exploitation He's making exploitation films, and he says that. Like, he said from the very beginning, he's like, I'm not making horror films. I'm making exploitation films. But usually... There's such a fine line between that as well sometimes. Yeah, but, like, the thing is that, like, when he's making these movies, he's making with a degree of intelligence that you don't necessarily see in those type of movies. I'm not saying that exploitation filmmakers, because a lot of them are very smart, and they're like, this is the fucking... The hand this I was is dealt it. with. Yeah. yeah. But he's, like, he's, it's, he's, very, he's very self-aware... And but not in an obnoxious way, and I really like that. Like he was making exploitation films, but I mean, I feel like he's injecting art into them, and I really feel like you know, bat, both Basket Case and Brain Damage to me are they're as I mean, they're art films, you know, to the point where Basket Case got restored and preserved by the natu- uh, the museum in New York, mm-hmm. you know, the art museum, and it's like, yeah, of course it did, because um, it's a fucking great movie. Uh, but brain. But he, what I love about Frank Henenlotter is that he's he's a combination of exploitation and com, kind of like art house. You know, like yes. I know that's weird, like to say that, but it really no, feels it like, is, and it, it is very, it's brilliant and very clever. Yeah, and um, like there's nothing in his movies when he's making a movie, maybe the exception of Basket Case Three, which I think even he's got kind of problems with. But um, when something comes off as ridiculous or over the top or like, oh my god, I can't believe someone's fucking doing that. It's coming from a place of I know what I'm I I know I'm doing that like I'm doing this on it's it's, yeah. it's intentional and I feel like a lot of people don't know how to nail that properly like where it gets kind of lost in translation where it just looks like it just looks bad or amateurish or um, he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing and that's what I love about especially Brain Damage is as much as I think Basket Case is such a special film Brain Damage kind of like, I think is a better film as far as like he had more money yeah you know the ideas a little bit more um fleshed out fleshed out a little bit more complex um and um and and fucking brilliant and like 
you know, same thing. I, I like again. I, I, I love Frankenhooker. It's such a staple of my childhood. Of like, you know, that would be on Cinemax at night. You know, and mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh my god, here's Frankenhooker. I'm gonna watch it because I'm gonna see something I shouldn't see. And then you end up watching a movie that's a lot of fun and ridiculous, and you're like, oh yeah, I barely saw what I wasn't supposed to see, but I got to see a bunch of other cool shit. And I feel like that's <laughs> that's kind of Frank Henenlotter. Is like where you go in expecting one thing, and then you get kind of surprised by like, holy shit! Like Basket Case has this really great story about you know, um, brotherhood and, and, and the connection these two characters have and and the the feeling of separation and brain damage is a bit movie about drug addiction and then Frankenhooker is just fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, so it's like he's he's it's all coming from a very intelligent place and I love that and I love the fact that like he's just mixing two different types of things in films that I love. I do love art house films. I you know I get I can feel pretty snobby about some of the stuff I love and, and then I love you know, I do love exploitation films, and I feel like Frank Henenlotter is kind of that perfect blend of the two. You know, like, um, so I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brain Damage, and uh, I wanted you to see it. No, it's great. I, it is. Um, I, I'm glad I saw it because I had only seen Basket Case, and this is so. I feel like this is like a different take. Yes. On like so, and, and I really liked it. And then upon looking um, at more of like what he's done, um, he did that documentary that we talked about on on Mike Diana. Um, yeah. The uh, Mike Diana was a comic book um, illustrator and author, um, and so he did a comic book Boiling Angel, and he ended up being the first um, artist arrested for artistic obscenity. Uh-huh. Uh, so he got jailed over it, and they actually, because I guess, like, some guy went on a murdering spree and, like, had a Boiling Angel Jesus. comic, and so a cop found it, like, one day and was like... This looks like a case I was working on. And then they tried to, like, pin everything on him. They took his DNA. They tried to oh. tell him he was responsible for it. And then not only that, he's just had, like, continued trouble because of, like, just these comics. And they're just, like, any other comics. Like, it's funny now, especially how times have changed. And we, I still want to say that censorship is still a very real thing. But now, like, you have things like Super Jail on Adult Swim, which is really cool. I love Super Jail. But... Those people, 30 years ago, would have been jailed just like he was, yeah. you know, for, for making stuff like that. And, you know, some southern dickhead cop is going to be like, it's got murder on it. That means, like, right. he, this guy must be a murderer, you know. And right. the fact that they could just put him in jail over it is really disturbing to me. But Frank Henenlotter uh, did the documentary on him, which I think is really important because, especially in the film he makes, and and we made that clear when the crew walked out of a scene, is that he went forward with it anyway. He knew exactly what he wanted, and he was going to do it. And I think it's cool that he also wanted to make a film that also showed other artists doing the same thing yeah. and, and what they their cause, you know what I mean, and what they had like sacrificed for it. Sure. Uh, so yeah, this film I think is really cool and I can definitely see that it like even the little bit it pushed, it pushed, it's like yeah. <laughs> it fucking pushed. Well, you know? it's funny because the, the, the Felicia scene we were talking about wasn't in the um, theatrical cut. Oh yeah, they cut it. Yeah. So it's only, it was only available on video? or uh, You know, it's funny because I, I, I have the video and um, for a long time that's all I had. I mean, this is before, like, you know, I think Synapse did a great release on DVD. Arrow obviously did an amazing uh, Blu-ray uh, of Basket, uh, Brain Damage and Basket Case. But for a long time, I only had the um, the video. And I can't, but the funny thing is, I can't remember oh, if, if it that was scene's on there. in there. But yeah. here's, here's what I will say, though, is that, um, you know, I went to a, uh, I went to this amazing triple feature, I want to say last year, actually, of 
basket case, brain da- the restored printed basket case, brain damage, and then Frankenhooker. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I do think that scene was was in there. I, mean, I, I, I believe it was. I've seen it so many times that I can't like I can't remember when I haven't seen it. You know, uh-huh. like, even if it's not, if I'm not seeing it, I'm try- I think I've, I feel like I still am seeing it in my head. I'm like, oh, this is where the she goes down on on the the weird shit dick, you know. <laughs> um, but. Um, and it's so, it's so absurd that, like, that's what I don't understand why somebody would walk out, or I would even get cut out of a film, because it's like, really, is somebody gonna get turned on watching this, you know, like, yeah, is that really what you're afraid of, like, come on, but, um, that triple feature, by the way, was amazing. I um, think America has, like, a weird thing with dicks. Yeah. Like, we don't like, apparently we don't like anything phallic in our movies, or it's gonna get, like, slapped with a, right. a like, obscene or NC-17, like, oh, God forbid, like, yeah. we don't know what a penis looks like. Um, and, uh, that's actually one well, of the... Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's actually one of the things I always admired about Harvey Keitel is that he was kind of, like, at the forefront of, like, hey, man, I got, frontal. I got a dick, I'm gonna show it. It's like, because I'm thinking, like, Bad Lieutenant, the piano, I'm like, I think the 90s... The, was, when, uh, what, are you counting dicks? I'm, th- I'm thinking about, specifically the 90s and Harvey Keitel, I don't think he ever could keep it in his pants. No. But that's probably... I feel like that's a good thing. Like the, I agree. I know we're getting off subject a little bit, but like <laughs> this is why I was like so upset at Kevin Smith. Remember at Mandy when yes. they did the panel and he kept talking about what's his name? Linus Roach's Linus dick. Yeah. And it made me so mad. It's like, you are a fucking child, dude. You can't... Like, he said... Like, yeah, I had no problem with it because the scene counted for it. And how many... And didn't he say something about, like, how many times women have done it? And it's like... Yeah, and, and then Kevin's like, was like, your dick was showing, though. <laughs> you know, like, I wanted to slap him. Yeah, I But, mean, um, anyway, more dick, even if it's a weird poop dick alien in movies. Yeah, That's I what mean, I'm saying. Yeah, I, I Thank agree. you, Hen Lauder, for that. <laughs> I, seriously, and, uh... <laughs> I mean, like, oh, God. I mean, I just... Again, like, I could gush all... I mean... The guy's fucking brilliant, and, um... It's very cool. It, it is, like, a weird Argento, but, like, with Little Shop of Horrors, except with no music. It's, like... Right. And with, like, an underlying, like, about the heroin epidemic. You know, it's yeah. just, like, really fucking great. Absolutely. It, is. it really is. And, like, I, I honestly... Re- I, I strongly recommend, you know, seeking out Basket Case, seeking out Brain Damage, seeking out all... I mean, seek, even, like I said, even Basket Case 3, which is his lesser movie, um... And it does get pretty bad at certain points. It's still a lot of fun. Now, nothing... Can, like, I was saying to you about bad biology. Like, same kind of thing applies with, like, Basket Case 2 and Basket Case 3, which were his other... You know, so the guy has Basket Case, Brain Damage, Frankenhooker, Basket Case 2, Basket Case 3, and Bad Biology. As far as... Like, those... He's got six films, right? And that's all he wants to do. So good yeah. on him, you know? But... Yeah. Um, but you can... You know, there's definitely, like, a moment in... Um, after Frankenhooker, where like because New York has already been going undergoing that change, like I think Frankenhooker is the it captures it was the last, the last of that yeah. New York, and and I feel like once that New York was gone, I feel like he kind of was like, all right, well, I don't know, I don't have any, I don't know what to tell anymore because this, it's basically like you know if you're an artist and that really great those great paints that you love are suddenly out of stock and never going to get made anymore. Yeah, it's like and it's, it's gone. It changes so fast. Like, there was a scene where he was walking in um, just down St. Mark's. Yeah. And, like, I recognized it, but it's, like, it does not look anything close to that. Like, even right. even my era, which was, like, ten years past this, what was this? Yeah, ten years past yeah. when this movie was made. Um, it, it looked the same, and there was a lot of same shops, but even still it started changing, you know? Yeah. Starbucks started posting up and stuff right. like that, too, and, like, 
but yeah, that's the last of the cool New well, York. By the time I, I lived like, in New York for that short brief time, like there was a Starbucks in in the village. There was a Starbucks at every corner. Yeah, and it was like, are you fucking? kidding That's me? why I like Uncut Gems, man. That's why I like the Safety Brothers so much, is because like they make New York feel gritty again, but like yeah. in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely did feel like that. Um, yeah, I, I also am a huge fan of like it's something that like is long gone. I feel, but like those. Those '80s auto graveyards, you know, like those. Yeah. Like, there's just something about it. Like I just got get really weird <laughs> nostalgia. Especially if you're on like acid, like oh. alien acid. Yeah, alien acid, where like everything is like, oh my god. And yeah, so definitely check out Brain Damage. Um, it's, yes, it's not very... a hard movie to find. It's, I think it's even been on Shutter, or it could be still on Shutter. Yeah, it's definitely streaming. It's fucking fantastic, and uh, I just yeah, like I said, I, I, I'm sad that he's not. He doesn't want to make any more narrative films. You know, I think he's he did the documentary on Hushard Gordon Lewis and the documentary yeah. you were talking about. Uh, also of note, um, it, you know, Frank Henenlotter, he worked with Something Weird Video, and he had his own, like, he was, like, restoring and, like, basically, like, saving these obscure sex films. Oh, yeah. And they were called Frank's... I think they were Frank's Sexy Shockers or Frank Henenlotter's Sexy Shockers, but he was just, like, releasing under this Something Weird label these weird sex films from, like, the yeah, 50s. Yeah, I, I saw one of them. This one was a little bit later, but it was from Something Weird, and it was uh, Toys Are which Not you, For yeah, Children. Yeah, you mentioned that on an um, episode. I can't remember how many episodes ago. Which but. I still don't know how I feel about it, but it did make me watch want to watch so many more things. Yeah. It is really fucked up. When, and it's, like... Uh, people call it like a weird sexploitation film without sex, and that is exactly what it is. Like they don't show the sex act, but it's like very strange. Obviously, it's about like a woman who has not grown mentally and has like weird daddy issues, and then became um, a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. So who plays with toys and like has customers who are like really into that daddy thing? So that's so fucked. It's up. really great. Go see it. Yeah. yeah so um, the guys, the guys, uh, he's. That's really cool, though. Yeah. That, like, preserving these... I feel like yeah. they're, they are important pieces of cinema. Absolutely. And I and, and that obviously he does, too. And so, you know, this guy, you know, again, for uh, such a short list of films that he's made, I mean, he's I feel like he's made such a significant impact, um, you know, and, and again, like, uh, my, or, one of my favorite memories of my entire life was my parents who hated horror... Me, that hated the fact that I loved horror films. Like, I they had to give me money to rent basket case for a, pr- a school project and it was just such a gratifying thing where I was like I was like well what are you, what's your project going to be on I was like horror movies and they're like Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. they had a pony up the bill for me to rent like basket case and all these other movies and it's like so that he's always been a big part of my my uh upbringing Frank uh-huh. Potter, and uh but brain damage was that moment where I was like oh my god like this is this is what I want to do yeah um so you know Kudos to him, and, and he's he's amazing, and uh, I feel like that he really he not he nails that New York that we were talking about because he loved that New York. Yes, you know he was he lived it and he loved it, and he was like, "This is my again, this is my palette." So, mm-hmm. great, yeah, what a good New York. Yeah, Poop tell dick. some more New York films if you can. You know, it's preferably the more with full frontal. Either yeah, way. I'm saying if if your movie don't have full frontal, I think you should reevaluate. A scene where you yeah, can put it in. Even if they're just having a conversation about, you know, the, the, the weather, you know, full frontal. No big yeah, deal. there's always boobs in horror movies. I'm asking for a little D, man. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I think that's actually the best way to, I, I, I think it's the best way to end it. Uh, more D in horror films. <laughs>
Yeah, I. That's my new campaign for. Twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, President would, Poop Dick. Yeah, what a great platform is Morty <laughs> in horror films. All right, guys, I think that's a that's a good way to end it. All right, good night. Good night. <laughs> it's funny. One night you go to bed, and when you wake up. Everything is different. Now Brian's acting a little peculiar. He's like a completely different person. I don't even know him anymore. Something's gotten into him. Sometimes everything glows with a different kind of light. Deep into him. What are you telling me? That we killed someone last night? Something bad. Something slimy. What are you doing? Something very... I know something's happened to you. Very... How is that? Hungry. You can't keep killing people every time you're hungry. You're mine now, Brian. I own you. Gotta get out of here fast. Go where? You're a wreck, Brian. Leave me alone! Whenever you want to stop hurting, you come to me. Brain damage. It will turn you inside out.